Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, uh, from right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. No basement required. When you think about indie rock royalty, there's a couple names that come to mind, but one of them that really should, I think, come to mind is Bob Mould. Uh, this man has had a legendary career, whether it's been in Husker Du, uh, Sugar, uh, or, or Solo now. Uh, he's put out a couple albums on Merge over the past few years, the fantastic merge records down in north carolina and he has a new one out called sunshine rock this is um you know if you kept up with the old podcast we review every bob mold um basically because my friend pj is a huge fan and i am uh i i I like his stuff i don't love his stuff and pj wants me to love his stuff so uh so we we talk about it we talk about it online and offline a lot and uh and for sunshine rock Bob Mould took a little different path. He added some uh, or reintroduced some instrumentation to his sound. You can hear us talk about that. And um, and and really, uh, you know, got out of the sort of angst mode, I think, that he's been in into something that is, in the end, quite lovely and uplifting and deserving of the name Sunshine Rock. So that's what we're going to be talking about this episode uh, I want to get you guys acclimated to this, though. If you, I mean, you've heard Bob Mould, fine, but you might not have heard uh, this anything off this album yet. So let's play a little track right now. This is actually the title track, Sunshine Rock. It kicks it off. It's high energy. It It is happy. It is sunny. It is everything that the name of the album promises. And when we do that, going to come back. PJ is going to join us, and we're going to really get into this thing. So here you go. Uh, this is the title track of Bob Mould's latest album, Sunshine Rock.
right, that's a little Sunshine Rock off of the uh, the album of the same name from Bob Mould. Joining me now uh, is the person I talk about Bob Mould with the most, uh, DJ to the political stars, Mr. PJ Sykes. How, How are you doing? doing? Good. You, how is uh, Richmond, Virginia survived the snowstorm, correct? Uh, we, yeah, it was barely a snowstorm, but it has been raining for like, it's the wettest year we've had on record, our second year, uh, second wettest we've ever had on record, and it's you, still freaking raining over here. You know, all that water went in my basement, which I don't have. Anymore. Right. We're located on the second floor now of a, of a place. So I, I this this weird like blanket of anxiety is lifted off me, and I and it's much better now, much better now because we can do this over the internet. Um, you and I, I was looking back. We have a, a history of talking about Bob Mole, whether it's on uh, the old chunky glasses of the podcast, but also in G Chat, uh, and I think I think part of that is because uh, you are. Uh, I, I kind of a self-described Bob Mold super fan, right? Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, I mean you'll cop that. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a wonderful thing. I, I think I think you're uh, and I, I might have said this in the last podcast. You're the reason that I even like listened to Bob Mold in 2019. Well, yeah, you, you totally uh, did not care for the mold, <laughs> and I had to convince well, you. Well, what, there there were some problems that, <laughs> that we've been over, but let, let's recap. One of them. And this is this is the main thing um, is that usually in Bob Mould's albums there is no fucking bottom in it. There's no like you can hear a bass playing, but it's it's mixed very high, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like the cocaine records of the 1980s. And on this new one on Sunshine Rock, I am here to tell you there's motherfucking bottom on this thing. Yeah, and I and, and honestly, I I started listening to this and I was like, this is wait, this is the Bob Mould record I've kind of been waiting for, uh, for a lot of reasons. But that is one of the biggest things. And it changed my my appreciation of him and his work uh, instantly. Mm-hmm. And it, it was wild because I was just like, I understand, uh, you know, for people who don't know, Bob Mould is, he's kind of responsible for indie rock. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in, me, in many, many ways. Um, and, you know, back with, starting with Husker Du, uh, which started in 79 in Minneapolis, but didn't have the album out until uh, 1983. And then there was like, let's say, Sugar, uh, Bob Mould. Has he been in any other bands? No. Sugar, no. Bob Mould, Band, and Husker Du. Yeah, and with just Bob Mould Band, he has 13 albums. Yeah, just, that, just that, for his solo. Starting, <laughs> in, starting in 89. So to say this guy is prolific is is an understatement. But I think what we often don't think about is how uh, how he has influenced a wide range of artists, which we're going to get into. Um, on, I want to really kick things off though by by talking about like this album and what I think it's about. Is you know the last album he was in a dark place. Yeah, he was, and 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 we talked about that, and he and you know it's 2016. We all were, <laughs> um, and. You know, he comes from this punk background, and you know there was always the question of what will like the Trump administration do uh, to art? Uh, will people make these great statements? Will it fix it? Will it help us? Um, and I think what we're seeing bear out is that uh, there aren't that many grand statements, but we are getting a peek inside uh, people's uh, sort of psyche and emotional wellness that we didn't get to see. Uh, the album before this, Patch the Sky, was one side of it. Sunshine Rock is him figuring out how to be happy. Yeah. Uh, well, the last two records, Beauty and Ruin and Patch the Sky, mm-hmm. uh, the first one, Beauty and Ruin, was 
kind of about his uh, father dying, and then the Patch of Sky was about his mother dying or right. the loss of those parents. Um, so with with that in mind and his personal, you know, um, situation, on top of <laughs> all the situation of 2016, politically speaking, yeah, um, yeah, it, it seemed to take a really heavy uh was a really heavy weight on everyone but especially uh for bob with his personal stuff going on too uh and i actually saw him play days after the election and we were all looking forward to that show because it's like finally we can you know sort of um you know it was it was a moment where we, everyone can come together and, and just rage for a little bit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and that show was crazy cuz um i think he had played one show after the election this was the second show and it was at cat's right. cradle and he basically had a meltdown on stage not yeah. like that you know like a billy joe coked out whatever it was not a like couple a years hour ago meltdown. yeah not like that but just like we just like what you know what do we what do we do how do we how, how's you know how we move forward. He played like nine who's could do songs that night, which is right. usually he plays like three or four. So, uh, I, I didn't know at the time that he had already started going to, uh, Berlin and wasn't really moved there yet, but was thinking about moving there from 2015 on. So as he was dealing with his parents loss on those records, he was also trying to get out of San Francisco and, and figure out his situation. So yeah. starting in 2015, even before, that album was finished and the the election he was already moving in that direction yeah and um and on this one though he uh you know one thing we've talked about a lot is is this change in sound which to me uh i'm uh, i'm gonna put this out there see if you agree or disagree it uh, you know i i think it's not necessarily change in sound I, i think it is the the horrible music uh journalist cliche but like yeah you know back to his roots uh, and stuff, you know, because if you hear um, a song like we're going to play right now, uh, the final years, and then you think about the song uh, "See a Little Light," um, there's a lot in there's a lot in common with that as far as like the buoyancy of it, and that there are just there's some uh, there's some lighter instrumentation. Let's put it that way. I'll let, let you guys hear it. But uh, you know, I, I think I think it's stuff that he's always had in him. He's always yeah. done. Yeah. Um, so we're going to play a little bit of this and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about it and then uh, keep talking about Sunshine. Right?
that, that line in the chorus, um, you know, as I land on the other side, I wonder if things have been different. I want to wake up and be different. And then he says, I'm choking life from the past, clutching my stories, a satchel full of cash of indignation. You know, this is uh, Bob's an old punk. Mm-hmm. And um, he is getting up there in his in in years, and this is, you know, punks often were like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna die before I'm thirty, right? Um, yeah, and uh, that's the whole rock and roll cliche. And uh, you know, in this, uh, he's he's talking about, I think, his own mortality, but also about surviving uh, the Trump years. Yeah, like to put it to put it bluntly, right? Yeah, and. And I and I think this is where you know because Bob has always been like a phenomenal songwriter, and this is where you see his like his talent shine with songs like this because he he is able to contextualize this. If I put this on uh, when I'm a kid in the '80s, I'm going to be really feeling this. In fact, this would end up in a John Hughes film, um, you know, and uh, or maybe they'd even name a movie after it. <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's so it's so universal, but you can dig in and find the specifics to it. It's also you know just to sort of illustrate how much he has influenced people and this is going full circle on this uh we're friends with the bank of motorcade from dallas they're amazing uh greg cott from sound opinions some and then uh i picked up on it from him and we've actually had him on the podcast and it is this like 80s vibe right and and i think a funny thing that happened to bob mold is that people just forgot that he's responsible for it (laughs) and and so, you know, all this type of rock that has this but vibe that isn't like Tiffany or Debbie Gibson um, is lar- – it's largely like Bob Mould's thing. It's Husker Du. Yeah, it's like the Village Voice, I think it was like 86 or – before the Warner Brother years mm-hmm. um, had like a top 10 of, of what the best albums were in 85 or 6, whatever it was. And two two of the ten were Husker Du because they were putting out so many records. Right. So it was like Madonna, U two, Husker Du, Michael Jackson, something else, Husker Du, and, and and they were the only like independent bands on those lists. Everybody else was like massive big pop, you know. And so. rarely do I get rarely do I get to do this, but we both grew up in Lynchburg. Yeah, right. I can assure you that I never heard a Husker Du no. song on the radio. No. And so I didn't know who they were literally until I was in college. And in the in the meantime, what had happened is all this music that I do love, um, because I'm a kid of the '80s, like had that had been influenced by yep. it, um, it, came out, and you know you'd hear them reference once in a while, and uh, you know uh, I guess I could catch them on 120 minutes in the late '80s once in a while, seeing what they were doing. And I think that's why he returned and did Sugar, yeah, because yeah, he was doing right. those solo records, and at the time he was doing those first two solo records. Uh, that scene, the, the 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 second half of the punk rock underground scene of the mm-hmm. '80s was starting to explode right right around Nirvana, and so then he did Sugar to sort of bring it back, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and he succeeded, and and actually, sort of, that's a good uh, getting us to the next track. I want to highlight that uh, you want to highlight talking about a track called Lost Faith. You know, one thing you and I have been talking about offline is uh, this connection between uh, Bob Mould and the Foo Fighters. Which is, you know, what we're sort of talking about now. And I don't know that the Foo Fighters exist explicitly. No, without with, with, without yeah. Bob Mould. And I don't know how many people understand that. And 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 I, I guess the question that we need to discuss is, is that okay uh, in the modern era? But I want you to hear this song. Uh, this song is is similar to uh, the final years. It's a darker take on it. 
You know, it has it has a line in there. Um, Life's so complicated. Don't let your hopes and dreams disappear, baby. We always lose faith in troubled times. But then he's like, "Yeah, I'm always going to be here." Listen to how he sings that too. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, and 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 you know, it's a rock and roll superhero, man, and and it is right in the time that we needed. But what people forget is back in the '80s that they were all rock and roll superheroes. Yeah, it was all a mystery to us. But this is a little bit of lost faith. Um, so that was Lost Faith, and uh, you, you were saying that you don't think that the Foo Fighters would exist without Husker Du or Bob Mould, and um, I th- were you at the 930 Club 30th anniversary? I was not. Okay. Um, 930 Club had 30th anniversary, what, 10 years ago now almost? Uh, 2009, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so Bob played, Dave played... Um, you know, Ted Leo, all trouble funk. It was amazing. Right. So I I don't think uh, from what I heard, they've never Bob and Dave had never really met. They've been in the same room, but never really met. Like Bob had been following Nirvana on tour. Like he would play where Nirvana played the day after whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, Anyway. So, uh, they were backstage and Dave was like, Hey man, uh, it's great to meet you. I just want to let you know, I've been totally ripping you off all these years. And Bob just said, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's how they became friends he's like yeah, just kind I, of admitted it like hey man I, yeah i've been I'm, I'm ripping your whole thing yeah uh, <laughs> i had a similar experience with uh bob boylan first time i met him i said i'm just gonna rip off all songs considered and, <laughs> right uh, and maybe maybe we did maybe we didn't i, I don't know um but um but yeah and, and i i think that's important because you know what we see is these uh mileposts in history in musical history that often get overlooked if they don't reach a certain amount of scale. I was talking about this yesterday with somebody. You know, you think of the, the Goliaths, uh, and it's easy to 
to pick out in in the early boom. And you know, you're thinking the Beatles, you're thinking the Stones, you're thinking Led Zeppelin. To some extent, you're thinking Jimi Hendrix, even though right. that's a that's a singular thing and, and something that's almost outside of all this. Um, and uh, but as you get into the '70s and stuff, that kind of went away. Um, and and I liken and I've done this, talked about this before. This the, the music in the modern era is like this big bang. And so the reason the Beatles were able to be so successful and and still are like successful to the intellectually is they came from an era where uh, you know big band jazz. Uh, classical, all this stuff. So they had the toolkits, right? And there was nobody out there, like using up all these resources. Right. And they were just like, we can do it all, and yeah. they did. Yeah. And they put it all into the songs. But as you get out, you know, it is just like a big bang. It gets more dispersed, uh, and that leads to two things. One, things get more interesting because then you get weirder, and and the intersections are harder to come by. The intersection between, like, say. Uh, just synth rock and jazz uh, is not it, it, you're going to have to work harder to get to it and, and I believe the work's going to be a little better but then uh, you also run the risk of people getting forgotten by history of like those flags that they planted mm-hmm. and I don't think Bob is is forgotten but I, I think he it, the, the credit he is due is still underrated I said well he'll um, never like he'll never be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which is crazy that is, uh, yeah, you know that's what, what I'm getting to, and that's crazy because you know that song sounds to me, uh, even though it has some guitars that sound like the Edge from U2. Uh, which, dude, if you're thinking of Bob Mold right now, you're a Bob Mold fan, and you're like, ew, U2, like, right. sorry, man, that's what it they, they, like. they were right in that mix, yeah. Um, and and but but that sounds so much like a Foo Fighters song, and the and the fact that Grohl like would acknowledge that, I think, oh yeah, but 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 you know, Bob Mold has always played to he is like. Foo Fighters for like uh, on club size is like a nine thirty club size, whereas the Foo Fighters are essentially Bob Mold for the stadium set. Right, and and that is that can be uh, a major injustice. I don't know. Do you think it's a major injustice, or do you think that's just how it, the ecosystem we need? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I get I, the Foo Fighters w- would not exist without Husker Du or Bob Mold, but you know they're doing their own thing too they're, they're launching oh, yeah, off yeah, of yeah. this you know i, I don't want to diminish your uh, thing to right, make it no, sound like they're copying no totally and um and and like bob mold here especially the last four records he's he's on a different like yeah it sounds like the stuff you know but if you really like i i like sat down and and studied the lyrics today a little bit more and it's just like a master class in and how to do this like yeah it, it it's you really need to sit down and and and, and think about it and read this lyrics and if you get the record or the cd there's a really nice um album uh lyric sheet with it um there's a lot of hints and it, yeah i you know yeah i i think i think too regarding the lyrics you know it is a master class um in this particular type of like sort of punk pop stuff because you know a lot of if you go to genius.com where you can look at lyrics to anything uh you 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 get there and You'll see somebody like I'm just going to say like Father John Misty, or I'll even say like Foo Fighters, and you're going to it's you know it's verse chorus verse chorus verse chorus, and you have like five or six, and you know it's this huge long thing. These are literally like two verses and a chorus. Yeah, and and sometimes it's like where where exactly is the chorus? You can't when you read the yeah, lyrics, yeah. You're, it's like that's just part of the story. It's amazing how he weaved that in there without a, without it really breaking out. Uh, it's pretty 
you know. Right, and that that's old school hit making. Yeah. That's like he knows what the hook is. He yeah. knows um he knows uh you got to get him in and out. Uh there's no song over no no over no. 4 minutes. They're all barely over short. 3 minutes. Yeah. Barely over 3 minutes on this album of 12 songs. Uh one of them uh that I want to touch on right now is uh, in my mind I think the thesis of what besides the title track of what he wanted to achieve with this album. Mm-hmm. And uh I I, I laughed like literally out loud uh, when I heard this because it's so sweet. There's a there's a line in here, regardless of what comes next, always treat your friends with love and respect, which is such a uh, I don't know people like you and me like understand that right? Yeah, you shouldn't have to say that, but I think we're we're in a in a time where maybe you have to say that more and more. Um, and this whole and album th- is a reminder of, and then, and that's exactly why I think you were touching on it earlier. It's like he could have made. A punk rock fuck you trump album yeah and he and he actually wrote a few songs that aren't on this album that he, that were kind of like that he said that he shelved them uh and this does touch on some of that stuff as well as just classical ideas of relationships and loss and building up and uh treating each other better and that kind of thing but i think he did this on purpose to show us like you know while we're still fighting all this stuff we have yeah. to fight you know please remember the basics here you know yeah yeah <laughs> Please remember the basics. And in case you were wondering, there's actually a summer camp you can go to. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's Camp Sunshine, and here it is. The days I get to spend making music with my friends Always most important to me There's always songs galore I'm always writing more I think about the kids we used to sing he um he's addressing again on this album his his age right right he's looking back to a, a quote unquote sunnier time um in personal like in his personal life but i think for the world at this point uh you know he's he's delivering this weird like Wee herman anthem <laughs> <laughs> that that just like gets me right in the heart and i was like yeah i mean i feel this dude so this is 
Bob Mould's a big fan of 60s pop. Like his father owned a grocery store, I think, and he used to buy all the jukebox singles when they were used. Yeah. And that's what he used to listen to. That's how he figured out music when he was a kid. Uh, so if you know the record cover for this album, Sunshine Rock, um, it's basically a, a version of the old 45 singles, specifically the Beach Boys. If you look at that, Capitol Records right, right, 45, right. it's the same swirl. Uh, and so I, what I think Camp Sunshine is, is it's basically his, you know, sort of his Beach Boys pop song, you know, like Smile yeah, it, or, or that kind of thing. It's that place where everything like came from, why you got into music in the first place. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and that's you know you you retreat to. Uh, I hope you all have a place you can go uh, in your in your head that uh, is just a happier place, and you can uh, spend some time there occasionally. So, uh, and whether or not you're creating stuff out of that or just going there, does this to me like I, maybe this is a dark thought, but does to me does this sound like his last album? Like I it, thought it, about that. Yeah, <laughs> it, to me it sounds um, like it could be a, an ending of sorts. Uh, maybe he's going to do something different after this, or maybe this, who knows? Yeah, I, I normally don't like to speculate on stuff like that, but in, in this case, I think um, there is a sense to this, uh, because it was unexpected, like you said, there there aren't many fuck you songs on this. Um, It might be his last album for a while. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that because most of the songs do deal with this, like have finding a way to be happy. And part of the way he's, he's going to be happy is being in Berlin, which look, you can create from Berlin, whatever. Right. But, uh, but it, it, you know, he's, uh, even like the lyric I mentioned, he's questioning, um, choking on the life from the past, you know, from the final years. And, you know, that indicates that he's really thinking about his, his legacy. Yeah. And, and trying to figure out like how much longer does he go on? Does he do weird shit? Does he? Which is like a hundred. It's it's a hundred percent valid, right? Um, that's you know, lest you think that like your rock and roll heroes are not people, they they are, and uh, and they, I don't know. You just saw him at the nine thirty club in Washington D.C. So right. what did he look like? He was like, yeah, well, that was man, the first is, show. The last had, time I'm going to do it. No, no, this is the the the, the D.C. show was the first show he had played in like three, two or three years or something since right. I saw him. I saw one of the last shows. Uh, when I mentioned earlier, at, right after the election, 2016, he had played a few more shows after that. And after that tour ended, uh, he only played one or two shows since then till the one I just saw. So yeah. two, I guess it's two years or something. Uh, so that's a, I mean, two and a half or whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, so he hasn't really played live hardly at all during this period of time. Uh, and so he, at the last show where it's election, he, like I said, he had a meltdown. Everything was just... Everyone's just weird, and and no one knew what to do, and it, it it's just right. a symptom of the time, um, and and the reaction to that, right? Uh, and this was a, a purposely new beginning feeling. He he has, he was wearing that flannel shirt that he was that he sells for the yeah. He, 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 and I've never seen him like wear a flannel shirt like that, right. which is really weird. Uh, he came merch. out with a smile, but they but they hadn't played in forever, so it was like refreshing, right. and he he kicked it off right with um. Uh, Hoover Dam. He went right into like the sugar hits. He didn't even yeah. start with like a lot of times people start with like Sunshine Rock or set the tone for the the new mm -hmm. album or whatever. And they just went like boom, old catalog. And then they eventually got to some of these songs. And then they ended with old catalog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, we'll we'll see. I uh, I think he's playing somewhere in the Midwest. I'm, I'm sure he yeah. is. But it looks like they're having uh, a great time. The shows are good. Uh, it's yeah. definitely more upbeat and um, happy. 
happier than than the last tour, the last couple tours. I kind of hope, just for the sake of like bad rock critics <laughs> saying stupid things. You know, there's a quote in here in the press release that said, "Sugar helped define the sound of guitar rock in the alternative age." Sunshine Rock finds him doing it again for an era that has ostensibly eschewed rock. Yeah. And like, come on, man. That's, we all know that's bullshit. And yeah. it's like, you know, the old argument, rockism versus popism and stuff. There is um, th- this type of music is to be found. And, and this was sort of my hesitation with Bob Mould always is uh, I'm going to be late 40s. And, I, you know, this was my shit when I was younger. It just isn't anymore. In sure. fact, I'm I'm more on a jazz thing, and that's that's fine, man. Uh, but you, you, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And I, I know from doing this that it does. You have bands like this, Sunflower Bean. I can't remember. No, they didn't open for him. But you, you know, you have all, this younger crowd coming yeah. up, and some of it's well, a little like, different. He's bringing Speedy Ortiz and and Screaming yeah. Females and yeah. Titus Andronicus and uh, some of those kind of bands with them. Yeah, what I think though is is back to that sort of big bang theory of music, um, which is and honestly, dude, that kind of blows my mind about the Capitol Records thing. Yeah, but that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's like synchronicity to all these conversations I've been having. Is that uh, you know even Mold, he, he was more removed than uh, than the Beatles, but you know even Molds are like Paul Westerberg and the Replacements, both from Minneapolis. The people who truly make it, I think, in this industry have a love for just good songwriting. Yeah. yeah. And those songwriters, you know, like the replacements, if you if you listen to Sorry Ma Ma I forgot to take out the trash, right? That's not a really good album. But there's a there's an energy you cannot uh you can capture. Uh same thing with like I think the Sex Pistols t- debut and stuff. But at some point along the way, like Paul Westerberg was just like, yeah, but I, I could probably write a, a good song if you guys want. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me try a little harder. And so he got in his own. He's gotten his own way by loving like just good songcraft and being yeah. a good good writer and produce some of the best music of all time. I, and I would argue Husker Du thing. Like this album has made me go back and re- re-explore the Husker Du catalog. And I'm, what I'm finding is that common little little DNA. Yes, it's punk. Yes, it's loud. At the time, it was probably scary the way hair metal was scary to a kid in the 80s. Yeah. But it, but there is, at the very core of this, this classic songwriting stuff that Stax exploited, Motown exploited, uh, the Wrecking Crew. Uh, you, you know, just go down the list of, of classic like song hit factories even, and you see that that DNA is still alive and kicking. And, and whether or not that's in a band that has like 50 guitars or not, I, I think might be irrelevant. Yeah, 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 and I, I, it's just the tool that he has. You know, yep. he he's re- written other ways. I mean, he's he's written, you know, he's a storyteller. He wrote for yeah. wrestling. He wrote <laughs> for right. uh, TV shows and other things. He's done other kinds of storytelling. Uh, it's just that he is better at making three minute stories with loud guitars. You know, yeah. that's just his yeah. thing. And please, I hope he makes. You know, I can't believe we got. Uh, I mean, I wasn't expecting a solo record uh, when Silver Age came out. You know, I was like, "Oh, the book's great. Right. They're redoing the Sugar catalog. He's going to go out and play some shows. Awesome!" And th- here we are, forty-five songs deep into a- another era already. The you merge know? era. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, could you? A- you couldn't. You can't ask for any more. I, I mean, I would be. Su- every time he does another record, I'm surprised that we get another one. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. And sp- yeah, speaking of the merch connection, like how much is Super Chunk influenced by this guy? Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, and th- and now he's like doing like Can you imagine? This, uh, I this, hired my what a hero time to, to be, be al- on my own label. <laughs> right, right. This this and what a time to be alive, I think are perfect companion pieces. Yes, they are. Because what a time to be alive is that anger that we're talking and about. And it's the same rhythm section. Oh, you're right. Jason's not on the Super Chunk album, but yeah. he plays live in that band and of course yeah, um, John's in both bands, but yeah, yeah, John Worcester. But different songwriting, you know. Uh, it's it, you, yeah, it's a yin, it's the yin and the yang right there. I mean, it really is. Um, and, and the the age difference too. Max probably just turning fifty or something, mm-hmm. and and Bob is getting closer to sixty. So there's a ten year, maybe yeah. al- almost a ten year difference, maybe seven to ten year difference. Yeah, but that's yeah. a big difference when you know you're talking about some of the stuff at that point, you know? Well, and the big difference in talking about like what you've seen in your life. Right. Right. You know, Bob, Bob lived through Vietnam. Yeah. Mac, Mac. Well, he was, the, know, Bob was there. The tail end to it. He, Bob was there for the original. He's part of the original American punk movement. And, yeah. And Mac exactly. is the follow up to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or super chunk, I should say. Uh, regardless, uh, and I, this may surprise you. To say, I, I think this album's fucking great. Uh, I think everybody wait, should wait, go wait. Out and get it. Wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All these years <laughs> I finally got you to like a Bob Mold record. Yeah, 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 man. I, I I well this is why we talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because if you spend time in your head just being like, I hate this or I love this and stuff, you will never expose yourself yeah. to stuff that is out there that will make you happy. It's all about that low end. It is. It is all about it. Man, but Bob Mold, if you're listening, keep like just raise that mid and bass and just keep it in there and you will have me as a fan for the rest of uh, of your career, uh, but yeah, I love this. Um, at any rate, uh, thank you for hanging out, PJ. Thank you so much. And um, I guess you'll be out saving the world. You, for people who don't know, you were uh, one of the people who was largely responsible uh, for helping get uh, Spanberger. Uh, largely in- is a is a is a it's a little much, but yes, I. Did I, I don't think it is. You were there from the <laughs> beginning, man. I you, was there you, from you, quite the beginning. Yeah. You know, if, if Bob is is a rock and roll superhero, you are a real life superhero, and now you are. Are DJing these people and and uh, your uh, your intelligence and your empathy towards this stuff is people should appreciate it that you're you're out there fighting the good fight. Well, thanks. I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it at least is an example of if you just get involved, you know, just yeah. anything counts. You know, anything counts. A song, uh, a, a bad poem, uh, a podcast, like anything. Yeah, do what you can and uh, try to make the world a better place. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, come back and sunshine rock from Bob Mole. Thanks again to PJ for hanging out uh, virtually. You'll be hearing more from him, and uh, if you are, if you're anywhere in the world, you can find him. I'll put the links in the show notes and uh, talk about somebody spreading positivity, spreading the sunshine. I always like to embarrass him a little bit uh, when we're talking by, by pointing that out. But he is a uh, he is a remarkable human, uh, one of my best friends. It's uh, uh, it's it's been lucky that I get to know someone like him, uh, even though we grew up in the same town. Don't know what that's about. Uh, that is about it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you hear, you can always do the uh, the whole 
Like us on iTunes, subscribe there, and Apple Podcasts, leave us a radio or a message. But really, we're out there everywhere. Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, we're on the socials. At, at It's a Chunky Glasses production, so we're at Chunky Glasses on Instagram and Twitter. We're out there on Facebook. If you go to the site, you see the other side of this thing we do. We don't just talk about music. We cover it. We bring this live experience to you. Uh, right now, it's based in Washington, D.C., Mauricio Castro is is running that whole crew, and they're doing some fantastic work there. So uh, if you go there, www.chunkyglasses.com, you'll see everything. And uh, and then I also help out with a little friend, uh, my little friend Casey Ray, and his podcast, Dead to Me. And that's a Chunky Glasses production, too, so check that out. It is uh, www.deadtomepod, and that is it. Uh, coming up in the next few episodes, we are going to be talking about Cass McCombs' new one. Uh, I th- hope we're going to get to Jessica Pratt's new album. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, you should seek that out. And then um, I'm going to start digging into uh, – people have been asking, you know, you don't play tracks anymore. And uh, that's because we're just figuring out the format, dudes. It's similar but different, and we're going to try to get back into that and uh, really, really sort of blow this thing out. So thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you in a few short days. See you soon. Back to Camp Sunshine.